continue tonight in our study of love from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We are up to verse 6. It says, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. I have here that love has many different contexts. There is love that is to be shown to one's spouse. Husbands, love your wives. There is love that is to be shown to our fellow believers, that you love one another. And there is love that is to be shown to our enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies. So as we think about love, we can apply it in many, many different ways. Love in all contexts, however, is to be modeled after God's love. He is the source of love. He is the epitome of love, and he is the standard of love. Therefore, the love that we show in any of these contexts, whether it be our spouse, whether it be our fellow believer, or whether it even be our enemies, is to be modeled after God's love and to be sourced in God's love. So the love that is to be shown to one's spouse is to be modeled after God's love. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. The love that is to be shown to our fellow believers is to be modeled after God's love. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And the love that is to be shown to our enemies, to be modeled after God's love. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who's in heaven, so you may be like him. The theme verse tonight is 1 Corinthians 13, 6. That is, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. So first we note that love takes no pleasure in wrongdoing. Love does not take pleasure in wronging others. ESV translates this first part. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. NAS does not rejoice in unrighteousness. NIV does not delight in evil. King James rejoices not in iniquity. It's a broad word, and note how it's used elsewhere. First, love does not take pleasure in taking advantage of others. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. This comes in the context of uh, the uh, steward that uh, was wiser than uh, the children of the kingdom. And they were to learn from this dishonest steward. But the idea of this verse is that the dishonest manager uh, was taking advantage of others. I'm not going to go into the context and explain the whole purpose here. But the idea is, as far as 1 Corinthians 13, 6 is, that we should not rejoice in taking advantage of someone. Uh, So that, uh, you know, if you've got a broken down car that won't run and you manage to sell it for $6,000, you shouldn't go away, wring your hands and gleeful that you've been able to take this guy to the cleaners. Uh, You shouldn't rejoice in disadvantaging others. Love does not take pleasure in benefits gotten by illegal or immoral or oppressive activities. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness. So here's the idea of going out and buying a field with the monies that were gained through wicked activity. Love does not take pleasure in the fruits of anything that is illegal, 
immoral, or oppressive. Love does not take pleasure in depriving others of their rights. Romans 9.14, what should we say then? Is there injustice in God? By no means. Love does not rejoice in burdening others. For in what you were less favored than the rest of the churches, except that I myself did not burden you. Forgive me this wrong. It's a play on words. But the idea here is that to burden someone is not an act of love. Love takes no pleasure in spreading gossip. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. And I didn't say it, but all of these underlined words are the exact Greek word that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6. So here the idea is love does not find pleasure in doing wrong. And then closely related to it, love does not take pleasure when others are wrong. So it does not take pleasure in doing wrong, and it does not take pleasure when others are wrong. It, it doesn't find delight, like the boy who sits in a classroom and maybe he's not doing anything particularly bad, but is really happy to see somebody else do something bad or eggs them on or encourages them or something of that nature. Love doesn't find any pleasure in other people being wronged. So love is not only concerned with what we do to others, but love is concerned with what others have, have done to them. Love is concerned for what people are experiencing no matter where or why they are experiencing it. So taking these same verses... And making them passive, love is not pleased when others are disadvantaged. Love is not pleased when others are oppressed. Love is not pleased when the rights of others are denied. Love is not pleased when others are brought into slavery of any kind. Love is not pleased when the reputation of others are maligned. So even sitting and watching the evening news... A loving person is repulsed so often by the activities that take place. You know, there was this young man who went into that black church in Charleston and killed nine people. That's a a travesty. It was most likely a hate crime. And it was a, a terrible thing. But it's a terrible thing if anybody sit and watch that and got any pleasure from it. If anybody thought, wow, those people got what they deserved, or if there was some kind of titillating satisfaction that someone got from hearing that news, uh, that's not loving. Not to pull the trigger and not to be pleased with the one who pulled the trigger. Number two, love takes pleasure in actions that are consistent with the truth. So this is the exact opposite. Rather than taking pleasure in wrongdoing, love takes pleasure in actions that are consistent with the truth. Jesus is both the revealer of truth and the source of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So love takes delight in performing acts of truth. 3 John 1.1 To the elder 
to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Here the delight is in the performing of the act as opposed to the one upon whom the act is performed. That is, rejoicing in doing good regardless of whom we are doing the good. Galatians 6.10, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are the household of faith. So it's a matter of loving to do good, not just loving the one upon whom the good is done or doing good because you love that person. But here the delight is simply in doing good, to love to do good, to love to do what is right, to love to do what is just, to love to do what is holy, to take great pleasure in right living. Love takes pleasure when it witnesses acts of truth. The elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth. So here, John is saying that not only am I taking pleasure, but all those who know the truth are taking pleasure in the chosen lady and her children. And they're taking pleasure in the fact that John is loving them. In the context, Gaius, you see, is not taking pleasure in the good that is being done to fellow believers. We should be happy. We should be delighted when we see good being done to others. We ought to praise such people. We ought to be rejoicing with such people. We should be encouraging such behaviors. And it should do our heart good just to see and witness acts of kindness, acts of justice, acts of goodness, acts of love. C. Love takes pleasure in truth for truth's sake. 2 John 1, 2, for the sake of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Notice the context. Back on page 4 is the verse that immediately precedes. The elder to the chosen lady and to her children, whom I love in truth, not only I, but also who know the truth, and now this this word, for the sake of the truth. For truth's sake. We ought to simply love truth as opposed to loving falsehood. And that's part of our delight in the word of God because it is truth. And we delight in God's word because it's true, it's faithful, it's reliable, it's honest. It is a right description of life the way it is. And we should love truth for truth's sake. Conversely, we should hate lying for lying's sake. Uh, Anything that misrepresents the truth, uh, it should upset us. D, love is the expression of truth. True love. You, You hear that phrase, true love. What is true love? I think the world would define true love as sincere love. Authentic Love. I would submit to you that according to the scripture, true love is love that is in keeping with the truth. That is love that is in keeping with the word of God. That is, further defined, love that is in keeping with God's commandments.
3 John 1.3. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Son of the Father in truth and in love. The Word of God defines for us what the loving thing to do is in any given situation. So in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, you've heard this from me often. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. In other words, all of God's word, all the law, all the prophets, all the commands of scripture are a further delineation of what it means to love God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. What does that look like? The commands of God reveal that by not coveting, by not stealing. If you're stealing from someone, you're not showing them love. If you covet what they have, you're not showing them love. If you're lying to them, you're not showing them love. All of the commands of the word of God are an expression of love. It's one of the reasons that Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Uh, For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. For what he commands us to do is to love one another. That's quite a different view than many people have from a, a series of do's and don'ts in the scriptures. It's not just do's and don'ts for the, the sake of some kind of autocratic God uh, exhibiting his power and running our lives and telling us what to do, but the do's and don'ts are there to help us weave our way through life in a proper manifestation of love. To teach us acts, behaviors, words, deeds that are unloving. And then acts and deeds and words and attitudes that are loving. The word of God reveals to us what love is. So number one, we show our love to God by keeping his commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. God is not impressed with our love songs, with our flowery pronouncements of our deep, committed love for him. We're in a passage today that said, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. The real measurement of love for God is, are we obeying his commands? For if we're not, we're dishonoring him. If we're not, we don't really care about what God wants, what pleases him. We're being selfish. We're being self-centered. We are not loving God. Loving God is manifested in keeping his commands. So if we don't keep his commands, we have to be honest in the fact that we don't really love God the way we ought. Number two, we love others by keeping God's commands. Thirteen times we are commanded in Scripture to love one another. 
John 15, 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Romans 13, 8. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see how that comes back to the very same thought that's in the book of Matthew. It runs throughout the scripture. That that is the way in which we love each other. By obeying God's commands. Therefore, love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Love does not take pleasure in breaking God's commands. For it is antithetical to love. The law defines for us what is good and harmful. Love chooses to do that which is good. Romans 13.10 Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. It's easy to tell God we love him. It's very difficult to truly love him. It's easy to say to someone, I love you. But it's really difficult to show love to one another. When we're honest, when we're just, when we're reliable, when we are faithful, we are loving. And when we are lying, when we're deceitful, when we're betraying, we're not being loving. We can say, I love you, but if those characteristics are being manifest, we're lying. It's not really love. True love is defined by the commandments of the word of God. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for your word and I pray you would help us to love you with all our heart and all our soul and all our strength. And you would help us to love our neighbor even as we love ourselves. And uh, Lord, help us to know your word so that we can adequately understand what love really looks like. So we know how to behave, how to conduct ourselves. What is appropriate, what is inappropriate. And oh Lord, help us to be able to distinguish between love and lust. Help us to be able to distinguish between love and covetousness, love and emotions that are less than appropriate. Lord, help us to really manifest love as is defined by the scriptures. Help us to love one another in that way and to love you in that way. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed, and if I may ask the Board of Elders, if you would come forward for just a literal three-minute meeting. I have one very brief thing. If we, The elders, if you could just come forward right away, and we can take care of that in just a moment.